0: Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on case.rest.com. I'm Daniel Gooby Freeland, joined as always by my co host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC heads back to the apex this weekend for UFC Vegas 81, headlined by Sadiq Youssef versus Edson Barboza. We'll be breaking down that fight as well as two other of our favorite fights on this main card as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we'll also give you an underdog and a parlay that we think will make your wallet fat this weekend. Plus, as always, we've got the interviews you know and love. Kicking off the show this week is an interview with fresh Dana White Contender Series contract winner Carly Judici, who's talking about the wild road from short notice to loss to getting the contract. It's an amazing interview. And then later on in the show, we'll be talking to Ashley Yoder, who is fighting at UFC Vegas 81. But before we get to any of that great content for you, I do have to let you know this episode is brought to you by Game Up Heart Hydration. Welcome to the game. Welcome to Game Up Hard Hydration, the new ready-to-drink beverage with sports drink flavor for adult drink fun. But make no mistake, this is no sports drink. This is a refreshing adult beverage with 4.9% alcohol by volume, a special blend of electrolytes, and way more than a hint of flavor. It's a drink that's, well, it's really drinkable. Should you stretch before you drink it? Certainly couldn't hurt. Because Game Up is not a hard seltzer. Hard seltzers just didn't work out. Game Up plays entirely in a league of its own. Comes in all your sport favorites, sports drink flavors, orange, lemon lime, fruit punch, and grape, and hits all the right numbers at 110 calories, one gram of carbs. It's gluten free and it's got no added sugar. Game Up is for MMA mothers, urban fitness freaks, peak backing badasses, tough mother mothers, league brawlers, hot yoga hotties, high handicapped hackers, committed cornhole huckers, or even just professional poolside posers who game up and get after it. Ask for Game Up wherever they should buy beer or hard seltzer, and bring it on home for the team. Game Up brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me today is Carly Judese, who fought on Dana White's contender series in one of the most epic fights of all time, finds herself the newest member of the UFC's uh, roster. So, Carly, I got to start here. You know, like we found out that you were a replacement for Shavkat Rachmanov's sister on like a week's notice. We know that you had, you know, virtually no time to prepare here. How long had you known that this was a possibility that you would be filling in? uh you know for that that Tuesday night fight
1: right uh we didn't even expect uh you know contender series or any shot at the UFC at least till I had you know one more fight one more win on my you know on my career, on my roster because like I had a I I had three wins you know and I kept hearing you need four you need four wins at least you know you just need more fights and experience so I was like okay I'm cool with that you know just fight and when the time is right you know it'll happen and then um, they call. I was at work on a Saturday morning. I got a call from my manager, and we were looking for something in November, you know. So I thought, like, oh, they, they must have heard some news on that fight coming in November. And he said, hey, uh, you know, uh, they have a Dana White Contender Series fight coming up, uh, September twenty sixth. And in my mind, that was like, oh, that's like a few weeks away. Like just hearing it right off the bat, I was like, oh, okay, well, we got that. And he was like, oh yeah, that's ten days. And I was like, oh. I was like, okay, well, um. Yeah, let me just call my coach real quick, but that sounds awesome. So, you know, uh, I, my coach called me and he was like, I think we do it. And um, he was like, only question is, how's your weight? And I said, you know, it's a little, it's farther than it usually is, but, you know, you don't pass up opportunity like this. And whatever it takes to get to the weight, like whatever I need to do is what I'm going to do. So that's, that's kind of what happened. We just, the, the fight and it didn't even seem real. You know, I was freaking out. For the rest of that day, it finally started to set in. Yeah, so I
0: I was going to ask you about the weight, too, because obviously, you know, like you're very tall. You're very strong. So I have to imagine, you know, dropping whatever kind of weight you had to during fight week was pretty strenuous. Was it as crazy as I imagine it was?
1: Oh, yeah, it was crazy. You know, I usually do like a six to eight week cut, you know, like most everybody. And, uh, you know, it's very slow and, but I, and then I land the plane, you know, weight wise, you know, usually when I'm fight week, you know, but this was like cramming it in all 10 days. I was 140, you know, I walk around about 143, 143, the highest 145, but I was 142 that day when they called. So I was like, you know, I was like, I've never done that before. Um, and you know, my cuts, my, I do my cuts slowly. Cause, um, I like to make sure that I get down to the weight when I need to. But so that's why we were a little nervous at first. I was like, oh, well, let's just do it. And it ended up working out great. I think my body really liked, I didn't give myself another option. So my body just jumped on board, like mentally and physically. I said, I'm going to make that weight. And my body just, it just helped me. It was it was kind of crazy how it did it too.
0: Well, that's incredible. Now I'm going to ask you about how that felt in the fight too. But before I do, you know, walking through fight week, a lot of people on Contender Series, you know, they they fly out to Vegas three weeks before, four weeks before, get their headshots done, you know, shadow box for the camera. I'm assuming they all had to do that leading up to your fight, like the week of your fight. Did you have, like, extra media obligations and stuff the week of the fight?
1: Oh, yeah. The that uh, the next day, I asked him, uh, my manager about when we were going to leave, and he said – Uh, probably that Saturday, um, before the fight, but then the next day, I think it was the Monday, you know, they called me and they wanted to do media on the Wednesday. So they were like, can you fly out tomorrow? So it went from like leaving from Saturday to just a huge switch. And, you know, I had to call my coaches and asked if any of them, uh, out of my three coaches, if any of them could come with me, you know, all week. So I called one of my coaches, he was able to, you know, drop every, I so much. So, uh, he dropped, the call um he -hmm. dropped everything he came with me so we went up there on the tuesday we uh got in like tuesday night and then we had to um do media on wednesday and so all kind of medicals too so i did my media and medicals up there
0: and and, and just out of curiosity how insane is that for you because you know you've done fight weeks before right you had a bunch of amateur fights you've had three professional fights at this point but you know we're talking about stuff On the regional scene, like, low-key stuff on the regional scene. You go from doing that to doing, like, the highest level of stuff pretty much that you can. Was it overwhelming leading up to the fight?
1: When I thought about it as, like, this is crazy, uh, yeah, it started to get, like, a little overwhelming. But I tried to really think of it. I knew that I had to think of it as, like, I'm meant to be here and, like... I can handle this like nothing is too big for me to handle so as long as I kept keep kept it in a box like this because it is huge you know but as long as I kept it in this little small box and thought of it as you know one day thought of it kept, kept myself in the moment as opposed to what it really was I was able to like handle everything as professionally as I could because also you know like I turned pro not that long ago but also I'm I consider myself a professional so I have to you know, treat everything, no matter how big or how small, as professionally as I could. So that's how I tried to go into every little thing that I did this week. Just uh, treat it like I'm a professional, you know, because I am. So
0: I love that mentality. Now you get into the cage and this is obviously the most interesting part of all of this. You get in the cage and not only does she bring, you know, like a pretty intense pace here, but it's like not necessarily something we've seen out of her if you've watched film on her, you know, she's right. she takes her time, she picks apart people from the outside, she kind of makes it a slow, you know, maybe maybe not so, such an exciting fight, and instead she brings you one of the most intense paces we've seen and you match it. it. What were you thinking in the moment when she started coming forward like that at a at a pace we've never seen out of her?
1: Oh, yeah, I was very surprised, you know, and I'm one of those fighters that uh, I don't like to watch too much film on my opponent. Plus, I had 10 days to do it. Mm-hmm. So even if I did want to w- watch a bunch, I wouldn't have been able to do a lot of studying. I like to like my coaches to watch and then kind of tell me what I need to work on. I watched my, you know, my opponent's film like once or twice as opposed to other people watching it all a lot. But um, yeah, I did notice that she, w- she didn't like really start off very strong. So she was coming at me like a bull, you know, I had to like, you know, kind of I knew I had to match that and going in on 10 days notice, you know, like she had an eight week to prepare cardio wise and I knew I'm always in the gym. So I knew I had it in me. I knew that I was going to have to dig deep to like match her pace the whole fight. But, uh, I think that's what I, I think I did. I think I did good at, um, you know, finding the energy for what I needed to match. I I couldn't, you know, let her walk all over me because, you know, that's how it starts to get overwhelming. So I try, kind of tried to slow down, you know, her pace in a way by matching, you know, giving her some of my power and giving her some of my speed. So I think uh, that went that went pretty well.
0: Absolutely. It did go really well. Now, I, I'm curious, too, because we were just talking about, you know, the, the wildest weight that you've ever had to deal with, a pace that you weren't necessarily ready for. And yet somehow you're right. You, you matched it seemingly without any issue. Was there any ever a time in the fight where you felt like, you know, this is a lot physically or this is maybe more than I was ready for physically or did you feel yourself slowing down
1: you know I started to get uh you know towards uh getting up off the stool after the second round my legs kind of felt a little shaky and you know there's always that moment for me even in like a lot of my other fights and my amateur fights like in the first round your lungs start to burn and you're like oh that's not I don't that's kind of scary your lungs are burning in the first round you know but once you get past that point and then then you push past that. It's like you get your little second win. But standing off, off the the stool, the the after the second round, you know, I was kind of like, well, my legs are a little shaky. And uh, but for some reason, I just knew that my body was gonna. Like this is the once in a lifetime opportunity. You know, every fighter's dream to be on the Dana weiss Contender Series, and I just knew that if mentally I could get through it, my body would carry through. Because you like our bodies are machines, you know. If we if we put our mind to something, it's going to happen. So I just try not to th- I just try not to think about the fact that I was a little tired and my legs were shaky, and I just I knew my body was going to need do what it needed to get me through that the last five minutes of the fight.
0: And it did, obviously. And you're landing the the clear bigger shots right as the the fight ends, and it seems like. That, that's pretty much what it's going to come down to in the judges' minds, right? Is it's going to come down to she had a little bit more volume. If you look at the, the pure stats, you were clearly landing the harder shots. When they go to the judges' scorecards and you're standing there having your hand held by the referee, what were you thinking? Were you thinking that you had done enough? Were you thinking it was, you know, pretty much the coin flip it was? what? What was sort of your mentality at that moment?
1: Well, to be honest, in the fight, like, I think I'm a little more critical, you know, uh, like I come from like a criticizing point of view. So I felt like I got hit a lot. So going into the decision, like I was nervous and I was willing to, you know, I was already in my head thinking like of what I could have done better before I even stepped out of the cage, you know, like it was, go- I was one of the- going through those moments. So when I heard it was a split, like I was nervous, you know, I, when I heard it was a split, I was like, when they started to uh, explain it, like announced the split started to get a little excited because I was like okay because going right right before the decision I felt like I was just getting hit way too much and I was criticizing myself a lot um but yeah I mean a win would have been awesome I'm happy with the split that it was just going back and watching it and realizing like I did have good shots because when you're in there I wasn't thinking about what I was landing you know I was just thinking about what I was getting hit with Mm -hmm. so it did feel good to go back and watch it and realize I actually you know I was in there competing you know
0: so so then you obviously have to deal with the, the adrenaline dump the you know whole emotional task of going backstage seeing your coaches talking with your coaches about the fight and, and the whole show goes on other exciting fights you know big knockouts things like that and we have that moment where they send all the winners out they go and sit in chairs where were you at that moment when when all the winners are out there in the chairs uh, you know seemingly hearing about their fate.
1: Yeah. Whenever you, uh, whenever they walk me out the cage, I went to see the doctor for, you know, about five minutes. And then they put you on the loser bus. They don't call it the loser bus. I call it <laughs> the loser. I, sitting, sitting in that loser bus. It hurts so bad. You know, just you're thinking about all everything that you did wrong and everything you could have did better and just everything you did wrong up, in your whole career up to that point, you know, and it's like, what could it have you have done more of? But, uh, yeah. So we went back in the, went back to the hotel and then we turned on turned on the uh, the fights a little later when everybody else were sitting in the chairs. I was sitting in the hotel, and that's when we, we watched, you know, the, the contract announcements.
0: So uh, obviously, you know, so you got to watch it live, which, by the way, is, is awesome. I'm glad to hear that because, you know, I, I assume half the time people are getting text messages in, in weird scenarios like that. So you get to watch it live. You're sitting in the hotel room with, with your coaches, I take it? Yep. Yeah, so you're sitting with your coaches, and then he starts talking about the fight. Did you have any suspicions that this might be the case, that you might also be, you know, only the second fighter in history to lose a fight and then be offered a contract?
1: Oh, no, not at all. And uh, I just, we, my coach kind of wanted to, I thought they wanted to turn it on to kind of just like hear what Dana had to say about the fight. You know, like if you he, if he said it was an awesome fight, they kind of wanted to hear that. And I kind of didn't even want to watch it, you know, because it was just like, I'm happy for, you know, Karis She's an amazing fighter and, you know, just seeing how happy she was after the fight, like I love that. I love that because her dream is just as as important as mine. You know, so but a part of me, I just didn't want to like watch it after the fight because it was still all fresh to me. So we watched it, and when he announced, you know, that uh, we both got contracts, everybody just j- jumped up and scre- started screaming and like I could, I didn't even have words. Oh, I just started crying. You know, but
0: I mean, it makes perfect sense. But uh, so tell me, obviously. You know, this whole thing's a whirlwind. We're talking about a 10-day span here. You're talking about going from being 142 pounds and trying to lose, you know, 17 of them just like that to being in the cage, the highs of the fights, the lows of after the fights. You get the contract. How long did it take to, like, really set in that this is the reality that in, you know, you've only been a pro for three fights. You've turned it around and made the UFC in that amount of time. When does it sit in for you and, and you know, you, you realize you've met this goal?
1: You know, I don't even think it has set in. (laughs) I got home and uh, it was crazy. I think the first day I got home, we had some uh, UFC fly out to do a little bit of media out here, you know, trying to get from our our hometown and stuff. So I hadn't had time to sit down. And then I got uh, sick yesterday. I had fever. My body was just trying to tell me to rest. Uh, (laughs) You know, today was the first day stuff kind of started to calm down and uh, it hasn't even hit me yet. You know, like I can it's crazy to say like I'm on the UFC roster and. It's just it's a huge blessing. I can't even it hasn't even really set in yet.
0: That's awesome to hear. Now you you're five days removed from that fight at the time of this interview. You know, I I can see we got some bruising still going on. How are we feeling physically top to bottom? You know, like are you feeling like, you know, we can get back in there in the near future or are we feeling like, you know, th- there's some stuff that needs healing?
1: Oh yeah, I think um I'm feeling great. You know, I've came out of a few of my uh two of my amateur fights, I had sur- two surgeries back to back within within under a year you know so i'm blessed to just have these few black eyes you know because i came out with broken bones had surgeries and some of my other fights so i'm gonna get back to training as soon as i can you know like i'm letting my face heal up and my knuckles were a little uh swollen like most people's after a fight but um as soon as i can get back to training you know because the, the work the, a lot of work has been put in to get up to this point but the work that needs to be put in now you know especially since i'm in the ufc to maintain that position there's a lot more work that needs to be done and uh i'm excited to get
0: for sure. Now I'm I'm guessing timeline we're talking, you're you're hoping by the end of the year, maybe back in there. You think in January. What what's the timeline look for like for you?
1: Uh really depends on what they offer me. Uh I was kinda I haven't put much thought into it, but I, like right off the top of my head, I was thinking uh early next year, January, February, March, any of those.
0: Awesome. Now, I, I, I obviously, the fight is the very interesting part of all this. And thank you for taking us through the fight week. But I did want to ask you, you know, I, I come from a baseball background as well. I played college baseball in addition to, uh, to you know, doing martial arts and stuff like that. Okay. So when they were giving us your backstory, of, uh, you know, you came from being, you know, a college softball player. You were a catcher. Uh, it, it, what what sort of led you to go from, you know, sort of a slower team sport, right? Baseball, softball, slower sport to like some of the fastest paced stuff that you could possibly find. What, what sort of led you down that road is your next level of competition.
1: Yeah, I know. Right. It's, it's a, it's a huge, <laughs> uh, I've been up on my whole life, you know? So, um, I went to my for about two years to play. And then I, uh, ended up, coming home, which is about an hour and a half drive. So I moved back home and, uh, my brother was just going to head kicks just cause, you know, he was doing it at that time. And, uh, I remember working in our little backyard in the dirt. We had a, a punching bag hanging, and there was dirt underneath it. And I would throw I would throw kicks. And my brother, he's uh, like three years older than me, he used to tell me my kicks were terrible, and we would work on it. <laughs> And I had no technique. And he was like, well, you should come join uh, Head Kicks. It's really fun. It's good for fitness purposes. And I was working at a little restaurant, and I was just snacking on all the food and just, you know, gaining some weight and not working out because I was playing softball to having nothing to do. So I was like, I'm going to go try at that gym. And then, uh, you know, I just started – we I started training. Eventually, I was allowed into the sparring classes because you have to be a certain, you know, rank to get to the, the sparring classes to make sure you get your safe. So uh, I started doing the sparring class and I was like, wow, you know, this is fun. I like to compete. I've always had like slight little anger issues as a kid, like mm-hmm. I to punch something, you know, uh, so it really helps you channel all of that. And uh, that just it just the ball kept rolling once I got to finally like compete in classes and then I wanted to c- compete on a stage and then compete, you know, amateur pro. And it just started to build. So it was really like a snowball from there. So
0: that's awesome. And and obviously because your brother was sort of the influencer there, what, what does he think now? He doesn't criticize your kicks anymore. Does he give you a little bit of an easier time?
1: <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't criticize my kicks anymore. He's very supportive. Uh, yeah, he, he actually does, uh, media and stuff like that. So he makes a lot of my, like, you know, my little posts and my little clips that I'll post. So he really, he helps me out as much as he can. And, uh, Makes a lot of my t-shirt designs, you know, for my local fights, I'll make t-shirts and he'll make my little my little donut design and all yeah. that stuff. So he's awesome. He's so supportive and I, I can really thank him for getting me started because I never would have stepped in the gym if it wasn't for him.
0: Well, we're glad that he did and we're glad you got started and we're glad that this is where the story is going. And once again, fans, this has been Carly Judice who fights or, or fought on Dane White's Contender Series and we'll be waiting for that debut. Carly, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Appreciate you.
0: Well, we have enjoyed that interview with Carly Judici. I, once again, I'm Dan. You're going to be Freeland. joined now by my co host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, we obviously have to start by talking about last week's UFC Vegas 80 main event. We got number 10 ranked, or formerly number 10 ranked, Grant Dawson fighting in the main event. He gets knocked out in 33 seconds by King Bobby Green. So, I guess my question for you here were we underestimating Bobby Green's power? Or if we maybe have a cause for concern on Grant Dawson's chin.
2: I don't really even think we need to break this down because the results are so wacky and just don't matter in the long run. But I think it's more on the weak chin than it is Bobby Green's power. But I don't know. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I, I think you're right on that. I, uh, I'm i a little bit concerned about like what Bobby Green or uh, what Grant Dawson, rather, is capable of. I mean, we talked about him being you know, like a potential title challenger at some point in time. He was undefeated in the UFC with like a weird draw. But now that weird draw kind of makes sense. Like he fought Ricky Glenn and it looked like he ran out of gas. It looked like he got stumbled at points. Like maybe that's more of who he is, but I will tell you this, even though the new rankings are coming out and he is still in the top 15, he ain't in my top 15 anymore. Uh, I took him right clean out of there. I think there's so many better under fighters. Like, And while St. Denis is still not ranked on some people's list, like that dude is 20 times better than Grant Dawson. It's kind of sad to see a prospect sort of melt away, but I think it was more of wool over our eyes in the first place anyway.
2: Yep, I'm with you completely. Well, let's look forward to some maybe better fights and better main events. We have a fight night card this weekend. It's UFC Vegas 81. So let's break out our favorite segment on the show, Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Gumby, does anyone sponsor this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays?
0: Absolutely. Flight socks and parlays is brought to you by X Martial. If you want to big, pick up some of the best gear in martial arts, you got to check out X Martial from rash guards to shorts, streetwear to training equipment. They've got you covered. X Martial is one of the fastest growing brands out there. And for a reason, the quality of their product is second to none. They're taking style to the next level, and they really do have a design for every taste and personality. So go check them out at xmartial.com. Use discount code TURTLE, T-U-R-T-L-E, for 10% off everything in the store.
2: All right. So I think this is a more fun main event. Um, it's definitely tighter on the odds, but Sadiq Youssef is the minus 165 favorite. Edson Barbosa, the 140 dog. Youssef on a two fight win streak wins over Don Chianas and Alex Caceres. He had lost to Arnold Allen before that. So two and one in his last three. And then the veteran Edson Barbosa, our guy, is on a uh, one fight win streak uh, beating Billy. Corintillo via KO, but he had lost to Bryce Mitchell and Giga Chikadze before that. Trying to return to form, get that elusive two in a row. Barbosa, his whole career is win one, lose one, win two, lose two, etc. Uh, he's the dog here, though. Who you got?
0: I'm actually gonna go with Edson Barbosa in this fight. I um, you know, we we just talked about how the resume of Grant Dawson was maybe a little bit deceiving. I was looking back at like what I believe of Sadiq Youssef, because I've I've constantly thought he was a top uh featherweight. And now looking back at his record, like, I think I have some cause for concerns. Like, you mentioned the win over Alex Caceres. That is by and far his best record or best win on his record. The next best one in there is a win over Andre Feely all the way back at McGregor versus Cowboy, the pay-per-view. So it's been a minute since he beat even Andre Feely. And in that fight he was taken down a bunch. He was taken down three times against Andre Feely. And outside of that, like, I don't know, Shimon Marias uh, you know, Don Shainis on short notice. It's not a really great list. And I will also say the thing that it's particularly light on is strikers. You know, he, he did very poorly against Arnold Allen, who kind of dropped him. He also took him down and controlled him. And where did you look at, like, who else did he fight that you would, you know, classify as a quote-unquote striker? And it's like, maybe Caseras. It's a different ball game with Edson Barboza. Edson Barboza hit you like a truck. And if we're looking at who he's fighting and Edson Barboza has had trouble with, we're talking about guys who can either stand toe to toe with him and bang or can out grapple him. And I'm not sure Yusuf is either of them. So I-, I think he hits him hard. I think he probably rips that leg, which we've seen be a problem for Sadiq Yusuf in the past. And, and I'm going to go underdog at the gate here.
2: All right. I like that pick. Uh, Jennifer Maya is a 145 favorite and Vivian, Ara Uyo, a plus 115 dog very tight odds considering our girl vivian is on a two-fight losing streak jennifer maya on a two-fight win streak who you got
0: with Jennifer Maya, I, I think her volume approach is just like a little bit too much here for Arulio. You know, her losses they're respectable, you know, a loss to Valentina Shevchenko or Manon Firo or Caitlin Shokagi, and like those are tough outs, right? Those are tough people to beat. But the fact of the matter is, she was even in all those people's face non-stop for 15 or 25 minutes in Valentina Shevchenko's case. And then she's beaten some really tough people in like Miraz and, and Casey O'Neill and just shown that like. When she gets in your face and gives you trouble, she can really give you trouble. Whereas our Uyo has kind of looked like the fighter who sort of gets bodied by anybody who's got a little bit of size and strength. We saw her nearly lose a fight to Andrea Lee and even get dropped by her. Amanda Hibas just controlled her really easily, and I tend to think Amanda Hibas is a little undersized for flyweight. So I think Arauyo is just going to have a little bit too much trouble with Maya's volume and definitely her strength.
2: Uh, This matchup is very tight. Odds makers don't know what to make of it. So let's hope we know what to make of it. Jonathan Martinez a minus 110. Adrian Yanez also betting off as a minus 110. So no clear cut favorite here. Jonathan Martinez is on a four fight win streak. He's eight and three overall in the UFC, but on a four fight win streak right now. Yanez coming off a loss to Rob Font, but that was his first loss in the UFC. Overall in the UFC, he is five and one. So he was on a five fight win streak before that Rob Font loss. Who you got?
0: I'm going to go with Adrian Yanez. Uh, I flip-flopped a couple of times in this one, but the bottom line is, is, first of all, he throws more. Like if you look at their strikes landed per minute, he's landing almost seven, whereas Jonathan Martinez is short of five. So he's just throwing more and landing more. He's willing to get hit to land something, which I think is really important in this fight because. If this does turn into uh, you take one, I take one kind of fight. One of these guys has got clear and convincing, brutal knockout power. And the other one just kind of pitter-patters his ways to decisions. You know, like if you look at Jonathan Martinez, 5 fight win streak, he's got one finish in there. It's Cub Swanson and it was with a kick to the body. It wasn't even any of like, you know, he, he didn't knock him out with his hands. In all the other fights you look at with him in there, he doesn't even have a knockdown in any of those fights. And in fact, Alejandro Perez knocked him down. Whereas when you look at Yanez, yeah, the Rob Font loss is uh, you know upsetting. But he had won five in a row before that with four knockouts. And the only guy he couldn't knock out was Davy Grant, who let's face it, is an absolute beast when it comes to his chin. So, you know, I'm here saying that I think this turns into a, a slugfest. I think this turns into a fight where we see them throwing and landing a whole bunch. And I'm always going to take the guy with more power in that case.
2: All right. Our official dog of the week is Darren Elkins plus
0: 175 over TJ Brown. Let's hear it. Yeah, I'm taking Darren Elkins in the year of our Lord 2023, which is maybe one of my favorite things of all time. And I think it's just mostly because I believe his grappling holds up against TJ Brown. When you look at TJ Brown, he's a guy, if he's not out grappling you, he's not beating you, right? We saw it with Bill Algio. Could not be- grapple Bill Algio. Had trouble. Couldn't out-grapple Shai Had trouble. Couldn't out-grapple Danny Chavez? Had trouble. He's fighting Darren Elkins, a guy who's damn near impossible to out-grapple, right? Like, who's out-grappling Darren Elkins? Maybe Jonathan Pierce, but even that turned into more of a striking fight. He's out here out-grappling grapplers like Tristan Connolly and Derek Minner, and I think TJ Brown kind of winds up in that same realm. So, if that's your question for me, what is Elkins able to do on the mat against TJ Brown? He at least nullifies it, and Obviously, cardio advantage, Darren Elkett. So, yeah, give me uh, give me the damage.
2: Uh, parlay to play, Jennifer Maya, the aforementioned minus 145. And Chris Gutierrez, minus 250. So, two favorites, but pair them together in a parlay. Get your plus 137 odds. Break it down.
0: Yeah, so Jennifer Maya, I, you know, I outlined what I like about her. I like the volume. I just don't trust that R.O.O. can body her up, and she has trouble when she can't. So that's an easy piece of a parlay for me. I also love the striking of Chris Gutierrez. So Chris Gutierrez comes in here as a negative 250 favorite against Haile Alatang. I, I really just like what I've seen him do, you know, apart from the unanimous decision loss to Pedro Munoz. He had been coming off of a four-fight winning streak when he had beaten some really tough dudes and some dudes who can throw. Baccarat Dinah, Frankie Edgar... Andre, you will, and he went in there and he got it done with his hands. I think as long as he's able to let go with his hands and strike, he's going to win this fight easily. Alatang, I think is going to want to drag it to the map, but this is a guy not even landing 40% of his takedowns. And I'm not sure he's going to be able to deal with the range of Chris Gutierrez either. So let's pair those two together and get ourselves some plus money.
2: All right. Well, that wraps up this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Let us know how we did. Uh, you could reach us at Top Turtle MMA on the social medias. Gumby, we're having a party here. Let's not let it stop. What should we do next?
0: Well, we're going to transition now to my interview with Ashley Yoder, who fights this upcoming weekend at UFC Vegas 81. And we're going to do that content for you right now. All right, and me today is Ashley Yoder who fights Emily Ducot at UFC Vegas 81. That fight is on October 14th. So, Ashley, I, I think we've got to start here. It's been two years since we've seen you in the UFC cage. I know, obviously, you had that fight with Vanessa Dimopoulos canceled last calendar year. But what sort of kept you out? Give us a little bit of an update about what's been up with Ashley Yoder. Yeah, uh,
3: I was obviously... Uh in a really long surgery, or not long surgery, I had a long uh, layoff because of two surgeries. One of those surgeries, um, I believe that um, they didn't address all the issues, and the doctor might have made some new issues. So um, I had a second surgery almost back to back. But honestly, um, wasn't I? You know, I was freaking out thinking I was going to be out four months, and two years later, here we are. So um, yeah, I just kind of you have to roll with life's punches and it took a long time for me to get back to a point where I wasn't in pain and I had full faith in my shoulder again so yeah it was just a longer um kind of layoff than anyone was really hoping but obviously the injuries were a little bit worse than they thought originally so yeah I've just been uh actually uh I got injured in my July th- my last fight so that's kind of why there was never another fight that actually went through
0: so so you know you said you, you you wound up going through two surgeries and you you think the first one didn't go so well was it all the way up until that demopolis fight when you realized that you needed a second surgery or was that you know like part of the whole recovery process and stuff
3: no we didn't i mean obviously when the ufc calls and tells you hey can you fight this we say yes i knew um they knew after my last fight that my shoulder was messed up. They just didn't, they thought, you know, um, conservative route and like letting it heal was going to best to impede. And it wasn't until it kept getting worse. Like I tried to go back and train and it just wasn't getting any better. And instead of, you know, um pushing and making it like, I mean, there really wasn't anything I could do. I had to get surgery at that point. So yeah, there was no issue with, Um, anything other than my body just was broken and it needed addressed. So, yeah.
0: Well, that makes a lot of sense. Now you, you, you're now, you know, through a full fight camp, we're almost, you know, to your fight month, so to speak at the time of this interview, how does it feel now? Are we back to a hundred percent? Is it better than it ever was training before? What, what does the shoulder feel like now?
3: Yeah, actually, um, it's funny you say that I actually have better mobility and no pain, um than I've had in years so probably since I started fighting you know when we're fighting you're you get bumps and bruises and they always say you never go into a fight 100 percent it's absolutely true when you're putting that much stuff into your body you're literally like ripping every muscle apart every training session um yeah I I feel today like I have better mobility and I wouldn't have took this fight thinking there was a chance that I wasn't back right so I wanted to make sure before I came back for any other reason than being 100% healthy that I was. And like I said, it, it's taken two years. So, yeah, I feel good and I'm ready to go.
0: Well, that's good to hear. Now, I also noticed leading up to this fight, some of the training you've been doing, you know, you post pictures on Instagram and whatnot. I see a lot of training with a former opponent, Angela Hill. Has that been a newer training situation? I know you guys used, like I said, you guys were former opponents. Have you been working out with her since then how how, how recent is this
3: Um I, we have been talking about working to go uh this whole camp I've worked out with her but we have been talking about even prior to our last fight so after our first fight we had in between those fights I mean this has been years and years that since we fought the first time but yeah we're I'm in Temecula, San Diego um we have obviously um, the same mindset and we could help each other. So I think um, it was just a, a matter of time before it happened, but yeah, no, she's an awesome training partner. She's helped me a lot. Um, you know, finding her twice and losing to her twice. Uh, it's very unlikely unless, you know, it's a higher ranked fight that we'd be fighting again. So it's really awesome to be able to have someone um, like her to help me with this camp. And yeah, it's been a while. So we've been, this whole fight camp, which has probably been about like 16 weeks, 14 weeks, something like that. So.
0: Well, that's, that's awesome to hear. Now I I did want to get your take on maybe one of the more hot topics right now in MMA, because, you know, you mentioned that fight with Angela Hill or both of those fights rather with Angela Hill and they were close decisions, right? And you've had a ton of close decisions in your career. You know, the split with Mackenzie Dern, the split with random Marcos, you know, there's been a lot of close fights in your career uh, there's a lot of talk now about judges needing reforming or them to do something about what MMA judging looks like as somebody who's sort of been burnt by that more than they've been helped by that. What, what's sort of your take on it all?
3: Uh, yeah, I definitely think there needs to, I mean, you're requ- you're, you have athletes that are, you know, putting their livelihoods on the line every time we step in the cage. And, um, I think with that being said, yeah. And the, as much money that's going into the sport, you need to have qualified, um, highly educated judges because, you know, yeah, there's times where I've come back, even my very first UFC, if I run up at Justin Kish, I'm like rewatching this tape and I'm probably the hardest critic of myself. I'm like, where did I lose it? Like, I'm so confused. How did I lose this? You know, like, and, um, yeah, it's just, it's rough because in this sport, there's, um, there's a lot of people that are going to always be like, you know, I just think there needs to be a better criteria for MMA. It seems like you get into these, these uh these confrontations of like judging. Okay. So significant strikes and then they don't get any credit for a takedown, or even takedown defense, you know, like some of these high level wrestlers and you defend a takedown that's, that's work, you know? So um I just think they need to have a better criteria. What that is, I don't know, but um, I like to see, like, um, Chris Lieben now, you know, I saw him sitting as a judge in the last, uh, UFC fights. And those are the kind of things you want to see that, like, pump fighters up because you're like, this man knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's looking at. He knows how to judge it, hopefully, unbiasedly. So, um, yeah, I just think there's definitely something to be done. But at the end of the day, like, who am I to, you know, I mean, I've definitely been burned, but, um, I think it's a, it's a, sport-wide problem that people everybody sees it's not just one state that is it's all across the board you know
0: well I appreciate the take on it now let's get back to what people came here for which is obviously the fight with Emily Ducat so you know she's on a little bit of a skid right now too but if you go back and you watch her UFC debut she looked really good in a fight against Jessica Penney kind of like forcing Jessica Penne to stand and trade with her and not letting Jessica Penne go to her grappling. Now, I know, obviously, you know, grappling's sort of where you make your money, where you've been the absolute best during your career. Is it something that you see yourself being able to stand with her on the feet, or is this like, you know, as cut and dry of being a grappler versus striker match? I
3: don't know if you watched my fight against Mackenzie Dern, but I'm pretty sure that I can handle my own on my feet. Um, I'm definitely a well-rounded fighter, and standing ground does not matter. I'm not uncomfortable anywhere. So, yeah, I think I'll be fine.
0: And and the place where you have the biggest advantage, so to speak, because obviously, you know, like you said, you feel like you can handle yourself in any of those places. Do you feel like the gap is bigger in the grappling, or do you feel like, you know, this is one where we're just going to have to see where it goes come cage time?
3: Yeah, it's definitely where it goes. I think we're both uh, really well-rounded. Not just myself. I think she is as well. And so, yeah, I think it's just going to make a fun fight because we are well-rounded. So, it could be anywhere in the cage. It could be a stand-up fight. It could be on the ground. Yeah.
0: Well, we are absolutely looking forward to it. Now, before I let you go, I never like to let a fighter get off the hook without giving me a prediction. Now, I'm you said you, you don't not, know where it goes. You're not a prediction.
3: I'm not, I'm not, gi- not, I'm not prediction. giving you a prediction. <laughs> Sorry, sir. <laughs>
0: well, I can't say that I didn't try. So, yes. um. Can can I get a, can I get a, maybe this is going to be a fight of the night type prediction. This is going to be a war if you've type. if you
3: watched any of my fights, sir, you would know that I have <laughs> some fight. So I think it'll be a fun fight for the fans for sure. All
0: right. Well, you're here to hear first, folks. This is been Ashley Yoder who fights Emily Ducat at UFC Vegas 81. That fight, once again, is on October 14th. Ashley, thank you again for the Thanks. time. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. And that's going to do it for another episode of the Top Turtle MMA podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Game Up Heart Hydration and X Marshall. And remind you guys that you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turtle MMA in both of those locations.
1: And until next week, I'm Danny Gumby Freeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonti, And we will catch you then.